Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Every pod down in Podvo liked Christmas a lot, but one host sought to show all those podcasts what's what. Brett White, he loved Christmas the whole Christmas season. Watch Christmas sitcoms, he does not need a reason. I Love Lucy, perhaps, where not one thing goes right. Or Harry from Third Rock in elf costume too tight. The full house where Stephanie has Santa on call. Dick Van Dyke's song and dance is the greatest of all. But whichever the special, the Brady's or Cheers, Brett podcasts about Christmas with one of his peers. Our guest here in Podville gets a holly hoo wreath from Decider.com. It is Megan O'Keefe. Hi, Megan. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I can, oh, okay. I didn't Hi, now you talk. Yeah. I, I was actually trying to hold in my breath just so uh, that the, 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 just, you know, for the ambiance. For the ambiance. Oh, boy. Yeah, that took me a long time to write. <laughs> It was a lot of rack in my brain for things that rhyme. Well, you know what? It, it, it will be appreciated. Yeah, it's on Get get in the Mood, because we are in week two of the Holiday Gauntlet. What, what? Christmas! Christmas! Oh, my God. Oh, Which I did at karaoke. I was there. At the Cider Karaoke this past week, I did Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. And it's true with all my karaoke, I scream instead of sing. I, I can actually, like, sing in a car, but when I get in front of people with a microphone right. or something, I just, like, can't help but yell! And it's, yeah, it's like your um, Mighty Mighty Boston's comes yeah, out. But yeah. I, I kind of, like, mule when I... You, 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 I either scream shrilly or mule. Like, 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 like some kind of a... Not a mule like the animal, like, a mewing like a kitten. It's kind yeah, of yeah. very annoying. It's very raspy. And, well, and uh, they had all the knobs up there at the front, and I was like, oh, well, these control everything. But then I noticed halfway through, no, I am cranking the mics up, and it's not changing the levels at all. No. So I was like, well, we are just... This is our lot, and we've got to live with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, second week of our Christmas uh, of Christmas holiday gauntlet, I wanted to know, what is your hot take on Christmas? I love it. I mean, yeah. I'm... It's, you know, I think... So we work in the same office, which I think will be fitting for this episode that we're yeah. discussing later. Um, so we've had conversations where, like, I'm kind of a, a Scrooge for every holiday but Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm sort of like, keep it to Halloween and, like, uh, you know, no thank you to Thanksgiving and <laughs> Easter, why? Well, honestly, Easter, why? <laughs> I, I don't think we'll be doing an Easter episode of this podcast, because I don't even think even sitcoms bother. No, no. They don't care. Yeah, um... But, um... Christmas is... Christmas is huge in my family. Ugh. Like, just massive. Um, uh, my mother, she hates Thanksgiving, which is why I don't really care <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, no, she... I, I, I noticed in my teens, finally, that, like, every Thanksgiving we would sit and we would, like, bitterly reminisce about other Thanksgivings and how much they sucked. And, like, it was, it got to a point where it was very black humor-esque. Like, I, I think our favorite story was, um, like, the year or two... After my father passed away, um, we had Thanksgiving, and we were all very stressed trying to cook the turkey and do all this stuff, and we, it was a very tense day of cooking, and we all gather around, and everything is set, and it finally looks perfect, so we can feel like, yes, we are a perfect whole family, 
and then we carved a turkey and had cancerous like tumors inside of it and could not be <laughs> eaten. <laughs> That's a real sitcom Thanksgiving. Like, yeah, honestly. We, we love that one because it's actually we all appreciate it now, but like at the time it was like devastating. Uh, <laughs> but um then my mom, she as soon as it's Black Friday, like she doesn't get up mm. and do the sales. She gets up. She cranks Nat King Cole's Christmas yes. albums. Uh, um, and we assembled. Like, we would just basically deck every hall and yep. hang every stocking. 100%. And get the old crash out and advent candles uh, and uh, just tremendous amounts of old school ornaments. So. It's the best. Yeah, that's what I, I, I observe a Black Friday as the first yeah. time that I am allowed to. And I have a weird knee-jerk like, triggered response if I see anything Christmas before. Mm-hmm. Like, me and my husband went to go uh, shop at thanks or at Target for Thanksgiving food, and the whole time we're there, we're both like, spoiler alert, don't look, don't look to the left, because going to Target and shopping through their Christmas stuff is our Black Friday yeah. or Saturday after Thanksgiving tradition, and it's a very magical... Yeah. It's this magical thing for both of us, so we don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, we keep it up, the tree stuff, up until, I guess, like, what we call, like, the Feast of, like, the Three Kings, kind of, so it's actually, we mark it with my... I think it's my sister's birthday like the 8th or the 15th so we keep it up after the new year for a was week like or so. the 12 days of christmas starts on christmas day yeah. and it's supposed to go which is a thing that there's a song about but no one really observes it's not I really mean like people a, in like medieval culture. times yeah <laughs> John is like, let, let's get that going yeah <laughs> that's every day be christmas but i also i also feel very weird about christmas stuff after the new year like okay. i it, like there's a weird like christmas stuff is if it's right in season it's perfect but any before or after it brings out this weird bitter sadness in me that it just feels like it's so, all over why do i have good. It? so why so just don't ever come my apartment after january 1st <laughs> between that and the 8th because like the tree will send some tinsel will still be around because i'll like i'll leave the tree out but i won't light it after the first so like um, we'll take it down like maybe mid-january but I, but there'll just be like this like dead fake tree in the corner mm-hmm. and it's just like oh, I'm so, sorry. <laughs> yeah. so maybe i don't know i need to I need to keep that joy going longer, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's a big deal growing up. My mom would do all this really cool stuff to make it extra special. Like, um, yeah. you know, in one year, I really wanted a Felicity doll, like, when that was, like, peak Pleasant Company mania. Yeah. And um, we were not doing well financially, but my mom would always scrimp and save for Christmas morning. It would just be an avalanche of presents. Yes. Like, every other day of the year, we had to, like, just make do with what we barely had and that was the day she would pull out all the stops and that day I you know I didn't know how I'd get it because I knew it was expensive for us and we go through all the presents and we are very meticulous we have a whole tradition where we start with the youngest person we want a present first youngest to oldest Um, because some people have a free for all and that's over in like two minutes no my family is when we would do Christmas together it would be youngest to oldest and then it would be one in time everyone have to go sit in front of the tree you Mm -hmm. get your one present you open it you talk about it for maybe 30 seconds, and then you move on to the next. It's a whole rigmarole. It lasts, like, four hours. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> but, so, this morning, I, I sorry to take no, the yeah. mic, but, like, she basically, I, I didn't open the Felicity doll, but I had a lot of nice other things. I'm like, okay, sure. And all of a sudden, there is, like, a knock at the door, and there are sleigh bells. What dramatic! And my, we open the door, and there is like this wrapped gift. And it's not in any of the paper my mom owns, and it's like sorry. And then the note was like, mm. so I was seven years old, and was like, sorry, Megan, I forgot to leave at your house last night. Apologies, Santa. And you could hear some like sleigh bells, and my sisters who were like in their early twenties were like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> and they were looking around the house, they couldn't see anybody. Like, what the fuck? And they didn't even know how she did that. And she was just sitting there like lean back. Like, That's amazing. And it was. Felicity doll. That's, she, oh, that makes me want to have kids just so I can give them Christmas magic like that. Yeah, she gave it to one of the old neighbors across the way. I mean, neighbor overslaps. <laughs> that was part great. of it. That was part of it. Oh, anyway, oh. but that's so I do love Christmas because well, it, um, it feels like the one point in time of year when everything is so, so good. Because well, the world's a little literally at its darkest scientifically, yeah. and yet we kind of light it up. Yeah, oh, that's so beautiful. Um, This week we're traveling even further back in time to December 19th, 1970. The Owl and the Pussycat rolled the box office. Whoa, whoa. Uh, the Tears of the Clown by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles topped the charts, and CBS aired the Mary Tyler Marshall episode Christmas and the Hard Luck Kid 2. Megan, you must have seen Christmas and the Hard Luck Kid 2 before. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Ah, wait, you've seen it right now? or <laughs> I saw it today with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't actually watched it growing up. Uh, my Mary Tyler Moore knowledge is ironically like 
farce. Yeah, what's your history? Um, well, I sort of have a strange affinity for her only because I've been related or, or, or compared to her yeah. numerous times in my life. I think it's because I'm like a benign, sassy woman <laughs> in media who's single and I like to throw my hat in the hair. Yeah. Just like, just like, just for, for no reason. It'll just oh. fall on somebody who's like a passerby. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've been compared to her. Uh, and then also I share a birthday with yeah. Mary Tyler Moore, which I'm very proud of. I have a really great birthday for comedy. It's, yeah, that's it's, a good one. It's her, Ted Danson. Oh, man. Alison Brie and the young Pope himself, Jude Law. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I have Sylvester Stallone and George W. Bush. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, you're a. Good times. You, uh, you're a fighter. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> This is the second time we're talking about Mary Tyler Moore on the podcast, so if you want more of my thoughts about Mary Tyler Moore, you can go back to the episode I did with Bridget Fitzgerald. Uh, I think it's like episode 12 or something. It's like pretty far back. Yeah. Uh, but I grew up loving Mary Tyler Moore, yeah. mostly on the Dick Van Dyke show. Then when Nick at Night got Mary Tyler Moore show, I like mm-hmm. was obsessed with it. Oh, yeah. I caught it Nick at Night, and I, I was aware of it. I'd seen the pilot, recently, I think in the last year or so, I was curious. Yeah. And then um, I definitely knew about Chuckles the Clown, because yeah. that famous Chuckles episode. Chuckles Bites the Dust is... Widely regarded as the greatest sitcom episode of all time. Yeah, uh, it, I've seen it yeah. talked about. I've seen parts of it. My mom yeah. watched it. I think so. It was funny to have a Chuckles of Clown call. You know, call, call out. forward and yeah. then like call back. Call. It's pre- not a call. It's it's like it season happened, scene. Yeah, yeah. this is season one, and I think that episode's like season five. Do we or so. meet him, or is he just sort of this? I thing? think he's a off-camera character for the most part. I do believe. I love those, but he is referenced. I like love a bunch. those so much because it's yeah. like. I love world building. Like a like a Maris on Frasier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a, um, oh, who else? There's one more recent that I was wanting to write it. Well, like Wilson, you, you see him, but yeah, you see his yeah. face. There's someone know. else too, you're right. But there's, yeah, there's, yeah. I, I, I appreciate a good sort of universe building, never seen character. Yeah, and there's a lot of those with the other shows at the station. And like later on we meet Betty White's character, Sue Ann Nivens, who comes on I think season four. I think she comes in on season three because those episodes are on Hulu. Um, and so she's like the happy homemaker. She just has like another show on the network. Mm-hmm. And in general, I do miss the days of local TV stations being a setting for TV shows. Yeah. Because the rise of cable and all like stuff TV local markets don't have as many yeah. of these shows anymore. And it's, that's such a rich world to live in. <sighs> yeah. For it's... shows in the 70s. It's definitely, it's that, but also it's sort of kind of uh, the monoculture sort of yeah. uniting and dividing at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's get monoculture. into... Let's get into this week's episode. This week on Must Have Seen TV, we are talking about the Mary Tyler Moore show, show episode, Christmas and the Hard Luck Kid 2. It's the 14th episode of season one. It was written by James L. Brooks and Alan Burns, who also created the show. Makes sense. And it's directed by Jay Sandrich. Here's how Hulu describes the episode. Mary's elaborate holiday plans are canceled when she learns she must work on Christmas Day. Megan, how accurate is that description? Uh, I would say so. I mean, I don't, we, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say her plans to go home are elaborate, but everything on her desk is elaborate. Yeah, that's... Her apartment's elaborate. Yeah, like, I love The all door the, is wrapped by like all, on all edges. Oh, like a present. It's so good. The very first shot you see of the episode is, like, of her desk, and it yeah. is... I mean, like, honestly, spoiler, that's what my desk is going to look like this year, probably. It's an explosion have a desk. of Yuletide cheer. There's, like, a little, like, reindeer. There's, like, a Merry Christmas hanging on uh-huh. it. There's She's a, got a nativity scene in her drawer. It's so good. Uh, oh, before we get actually talking about the episode, I want to talk about the opening credits. Because what we actually see mm. first is yeah. the opening credits, which... Iconic. I, I still say it's probably one of the greatest opening credit sequences of all time. Uh-huh. It tells like, you a story. It tells, like, you see, like, her going away party. You see all the stuff that actually was shot for the credits and it's not in the episode. Yeah, no, I've, yeah, I've seen the pilot. Yeah, like, sort of off-screen. It's her, like, going away party with all these people we never meet, and then her in a car driving. It's her sides. superhero origin story. Yeah. And it's, like, so well done. And the song, the marriage of, like, the song and the visuals and, ugh. I, I was thinking, too, how it's very interesting. I know the show was controversial when it was being pitched because yeah. she was so identified as Laura Petrie. And yeah. the original pitch was she was divorced. Yeah. Because that was how, like, Mary Tyler Moore had, was already in husband number two, I think, when yeah. they were pitching the show. Yeah. And they were worried that if the character was divorced in the pilot, everyone would assume that she was divorced from Dick Van Dyke yeah. and that would break <laughs> America's heart. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Good thinking ahead. But it also sort of, uh, I don't know if it undermined or expanded what 
the story is, which is about women not needing men to yeah. carve space for themselves in the world. Instead, it's a broken engagement. Yeah. And we see her fiancé does come back in, like, one of the early episodes of season one, maybe even before this one. And it's, again, like, will they, won't they? And then mm-hmm. he's still, like, an asshole. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and the fact that she's going to Minneapolis, right, and not, like, New York or Chicago, it's, like, yeah. it's more a heartland city, and it's more, like, this is actually happening everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a good point. And it's not just, you know, yeah, it's... And, and to also, like, the lyrics about how it's about, like, you know, living for yourself. And yeah. This world being... is awfully big, and girl, this time you're on your own. <laughs> just, like, it's like... And, like, the way that they change the theme song from, like, you might just make it on your own to you're gonna make it after mm-hmm. all, after season one. Because, like, when they came back for season two, it's like, well, she's obviously gonna make it. So now it's like, you're gonna make it after all. Mm-hmm. And, like, honestly, that makes me, like, tear up in some, like, stupid way. I can't help it. It's just, like, so powerful and really well done. Yeah. Oh God, she's this like, show. I also wrote, great lashes, great coats. Yeah. Oh, my God, the style in this show. As a lady, I'm always looking for those aesthetics, because <laughs> lazy cuts. be aesthetic shopping. <laughs> There's this one shot of her where she's wearing, like, a fur coat by, like, the lake. Yeah. And it's, like, this... It's not, like, before, like, all of her, everything else in the opening credits is she's very, like, normally dressed. Like, she's very, like, fashionable hip. And then there's this one shot where she looks like a damn supermodel. She just, looks like, like she pose. just, like, was abandoned. No, she abandoned. Not she was abandoned. She yeah. was the, she did the abandoning of, yeah. like, Dr. Zhivago. Yeah. By Ice Lake. <laughs> and, like, some, like, Napoleon's armies are coming to, like... I think uh, that's what Zhivago's about. I, yeah. I'm bad with Russian I stuff. do have... I have a pitch. Anytime... I have a pitch on my list of pitches for work that is just called What the Fuck is Dr. Zhivago? <laughs> and as soon as it hits an anniversary, I've I'm going to pitch it. I've tried to watch it, like, so many times, and I've tried to read a lot of Russian... I'm I'm admitting some bad parts of my knowledge. <laughs> I, I should know more about Russian lit, and I've tried reading Tolstoy. But it is... I, if you look at, like, the Adjusted for Inflation highest grossing movies of all time, it's in the top ten, and yeah. it's a movie that, like, similar to, like, Avatar is, And like, it's also about an affair, isn't No it? cultural penetration past when it was a hit. So and it, it, well, isn't it about an extramarital affair? So no, it's no definitely idea. a love triangle. I'm definitely gonna try and avoid it until I can write this. And it definitely like, is one of the, the few big, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, we're off topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is for my Doctor Zhivago minute minute pat podcast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So the episode uh, starts, and then we see her desk, and it's like super hella decorated mm-hmm. with all these. I love old Christmas decorations. Yeah, me too. I because that's what I grew up with. Is like well, my parents' ones. I am. To my earlier point with my family going all out, since as a little kid, I basically have just, like, done all I can to claim my mm. family's oh, crush. that's good. That's good. Because it's, like, from the 1940s, and, and it's, like, actually, like, almost all the faces are chipped off yeah. because of the age, but I just love it. So they look kind of creepy at the time, but now they look even creepier. <laughs> and now I'm just like, yes. Give me that creepy the Christmas stuff. Cri- yeah. Christmas? Yeah, we'll get to it. There's Christmas. I love Christmas because it should combine a lot of emotion. Christmas mm-hmm. is also sadness and it's also scary and it's also happy. It's also Mithras and it's, mystery cults. Oh, it's like, it's got its roots in a lot of different All things. this stuff. Whereas like Halloween and Thanksgiving are kind of like singularly focused in what they are and Christmas encompasses... Every- because it is an ado- it's kind of adopted from a lot of different pagan holidays yeah, yeah. and a lot of different, like I think, you know, solstice stuff and... Uh, and also because, yeah, I mean, there's a commercial aspect, an American aspect. And in America, you think about, like, how many different cultures have contributed different yeah. parts of the yeah, yeah, traditional yeah. Christmas setup, I mean. from Now we have Elf on the Shelf. So, you know, it's just still happening. Oh, yeah. don't. I'm anti-Elf on the Shelf. Don't. I like Buddy the Elf a lot. Oh, Buddy's great. Give me some Elf. I Give want some actual Mr. Elf. Narwhal on the, yeah. the shelf. That'd be so great. But I don't <laughs> want a little Elf that's there, like, narc on your kids. No, I'll have a narwhal just, like, happily <laughs> looking over the scene saying, yeah. goodbye, kids. Do whatever you want, kids. Have a good time. <laughs> Hope you find your dad. <laughs> so, at the beginning of the episode, Mary's on her on the phone with her mom, and she's like, I'm going to be there by 11, because I'm like, so, so excited. Yeah. And she's like, no, I don't want you to drive too fast. Okay, well, I'll be there by 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And it's so sweet, but then Lou over here is, and he has to, like, bring her into the office for, like... The, the reality check. The reality check. But before we get the reality check, Lou sits down at his desk and he has a teeny little tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like a little, like, one and a half, maybe two inch tall tree. It's like a tree for, not even an elf, it's like a tree for a Polly Pocket. Yeah, for like a little, like, little Christmas village you might have. It's like Polly Pocket's Rockefeller Center tree. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I better not get needles all over my desk. Uh, but then he has to tell her, like, you know, I. You gotta work on Christmas. I've got to work on Christmas. Well, that's another way of putting it. 
this is a couple days before Christmas. Yeah, I feel like he should this be might be like more the 23rd. forewarning. Yeah, do they not get, like, here's your schedule for the week? like? Because we have to work on, like, award show nights, and occasionally, like, there are things that are shifted yeah. around, and it's like, FYI, when you work in... in two weeks, like, we knew ahead of time, yeah, obviously. And, and, also, and then yearly, you're like, oh, yeah, I have to work at Meets Golden Globes. And yeah. Oscars, which is not... And this is Mary's first year working in mm-hmm. news. Yeah, oh, and your so, first year, you got to take all the nosebleed spots. Yeah, and so she's going to have to work on Christmas Day. And her face, when she finds it out, and, like, she she's professional with Lou and is like, oh, yes, I okay, cool, who, like, that's fine, who would want, I don't have any plans, it's fine. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yeah. Well, I know we're not there yet, but when, like, Fred kind of strong arms her until yeah. like, doing that, that, I was like, I see that today, where, oh. especially as a single woman, like, when you are a single woman and there's anyone else in staff who has children, yeah, it's like always... their time off is more important than yours, and I actually, I with our boss a couple years ago, I was like, you know, I don't have a kid, but I've got a mom, yeah. and my mom <laughs> needs you to take care of her sometimes. I am the kid to the mom who has a kid, so she also gets priority. I also, like... Kids aside, I deserved like to leave for a personal yeah. thing sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we all got our shit. And, uh, society shouldn't be kid focused. Huh? <laughs> uh, so then we cut to Mary's apartment. We get a scene in her apartment with Phyllis and Rhoda. Her, mm-hmm. her Phyllis is her landlady, and Rhoda is also lives like I think she lives below. Maybe? Yeah, like she lives in the same building. I know they're all in the same building. Yeah, uh, and Mary is trimming the tree, and this is what I wanted to bring up. This is probably December twenty second or twenty third. Yeah, the majority of the episode takes place on the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. So people that trim their trees. A day before Christmas. And watching a lot of... Last year I did this it's thing... It's a thing. I, I did this thing where I watched... There's a list on Wikipedia of, like, Christmas specials. And yeah. so I, like, started, like, Control F, 1950. And I, I would watch them all in chronological order, like, shows mm-hmm. I knew. And you see this thing in the 50s through the 70s of so many episodes are about decorating your tree on Christmas. Like, the I Love Lucy specials, them all... Rick, like, little Ricky has gone to bed. And while he's on bed waiting for... On Christmas Eve, they put up the tree. And I'm like... Yeah. When did it become a sane tradition to do that when you actually have time to enjoy it? I have a theory. Just putting that out there. I think, like, if you think about trees in general on their lifespans, yeah. like, I think it was probably this thing where it was closer to the day because most people had live trees. And I think when uh, maybe fake trees became more the norm, yeah. it made more sense to have it up longer. Because you could. And also, it's so much... Putting up a tree is so much work. And I also think, like, to your point, too, where I think, like, in, like, the olden days, Christmas Day was the first day of the Christmas holiday season. Oh, right. And so it would stay for 12 days. Um, Yeah, and that's a religious thing, too, in Catholic Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Whereas... now it's a much more commercial like, Nowadays it seasonal. starts in October, basically. It's a, and I hate that. But I like, it's a seasonal yeah. thing now. Um, yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, the German tradition of trees, like, they basically, like, they would catch on fire because real candles <laughs> yeah, they, were on they were just like, that's some crazy shit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, they're, they're decorating the tree, and, like, Phyllis comes in with her, like, big uh, things of gifts because she's, like, um, her daughter Bess, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, is, she's been hunting for presents since Halloween, yeah. so she's going to keep in Mary's apartment. And they open up some of the gifts, and one of them is a little, like... Anatomically correct man. Man, who's, like, see-through skin. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the... Is that the only gift that they actually there's open? There's a doll that has Oh, and there's a doll shoes. with great shoes that Rhoda's like, I want to get... I wish she talked so I could ask where she got those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I love... Um, but then they make a joke about... Is, what are you getting for Lars? Hey... He's a doctor. Why don't you give him this thing with the intestines? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is for him. <laughs> I wrote down Lars and the see-through doll. Uh, Lars and the real girl. Yeah. Lars and the fake boy. L- Lars and the, the real uh, Anatomical boy. <laughs> intestinal track boy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what, did you, what did you think about seeing the... the it's great. The Maritime Moore Show is a show about a woman with her mm-hmm. female friends. And this is a scene with just three women. And the fact that they're, like, three women hanging out is not the point of the scene. It's just right. these are the three characters who are, like, the other half of the show. And I love their vibe and their chemistry. I liked it a lot. I like, I mean, I enjoy that she has, like, sort of, like, two families outside of her own family. Which yeah. is her work family, which clearly come through, in, you know, in the episode. And then also she has her social family, yeah. which are the people who are at her home, who are her other space. Who's... And Rhoda, even this episode, I was so struck by how, like, 
the two of them look out for each other. And that's something that I've found is very accurate to my best female friendships as an adult where, you know, we act like Sex in the City, Sex in the City was a kind of, you know, trailblazing in this yeah. aspect, but it really, like, wasn't when you have Mary and Rhoda, who yeah. are doing the same things. And especially, like, and also, and Phyllis being there, too, and also the fact that they both got their own shows later is the thing that I love, is that mm-hmm. Mary Tyler Moore also, like, gave us so many other female-led shows, like, they spread it around. Yeah. Just you think about cool. Betty White also being on there. And... Yeah. And then, like, as soon as both Phyllis and Rhoda, like, left halfway through the show to do their own shows, and then they brought in... Georgette and uh, Betty White's character Sue Ann, and they're totally different characters that have a totally different vibe and are also just like equally fantastic. Yeah. And there's a season of the show where I think it is all five of these women on the show at the same time. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, so basically, like, Mary's like, well, we should have a Christmas Eve together. Yeah. Uh, we can hang out. We can, like, make that fun. And, like, oh, okay, great. Then Rhoda has like, this great line of, did you? Hey, listen, does this mean we're going to exchange gifts? That wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, did you get mine yet? Yeah? What is it? Rhoda, you're not supposed to ask that. How about a hint? Mary, I'm very competitive. I want to get you something better. (laughs) (laughs) Which I really love. Um, Then we go to the next scene is in Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. We're on the the big day. The day. We uh, get a scene. I think it starts with Ted coming in because he's like, it's not the Christmas spirit, pal. He's like telling off. I wrote this down. Like, so I was doing, I was trying to do the history math in my head. Did he write a Christmas card to Nixon and then, like, get drunk on the air and bemoan Nixon for not sending him a card back? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, this is Christmas 1970, so they, because they say, like, well, he's mad because everyone else is having a Christmas party and we're not. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, because last year. I like year... how you explain the context, and I'm like, <laughs> I have this theory. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, the, basically what they say is at the last Christmas party, so 1969, Ted got drunk and told off the boss on air. And Mary's like, oh, you? And he's like, no, the president. And they don't say Nixon by name, but it's like, well, he was the president. Yeah. And also a very tell-offable president. Mm-hmm. Tell, Even then. Even a tell-offable, awful president. I read Nixon land. I know what happened. <laughs> um, but we get, like, a nice scene in the office. So this is our first time seeing, uh, like, Lou, Ted, and Mary all yeah. interacting with Mary. I loved um, Mary and Murray's interactions. Yeah. It reminded me of some of my my very first like staff writing job. I was I sat next to like this other writer who like it was a very similar vibe. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's my Jordan. Like, it's like yeah. that's her Jordan. Uh, <laughs> so I, I talked about this on uh, the last Mary Tyler Moore show that I did. Clamped? No, I'm just getting like my my um. You're getting a little emotional. Yeah, I'm aware of where I'm going with this. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll bring it up. I'll probably bring this up every time I talk about Mary Tyler Moore. How gay does Murray seem to you? Oh. Oh. Um, I did not register that. I think it could, he could be. He. But I was thinking of, like, my straight male coworkers ah. who are, like, my work husband dudes. Like, who are the dudes who, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. are totally chill and supportive but aren't <clears throat> creepy and who, yeah, like. It's, yeah, he is that's, married. That's, He's not gay. He's married to a woman. But, like. Because uh, that is a thing. Watching the show. There are Gavin, men like that. Gavin McLeod's delivery, he has such a fussy, like. Oh, Mary! How could you let Fred talk you into working Christmas Eve? I mean, it's bad enough you can't go home, but working tonight! He has a little tingy Paul Lind reaction sometimes. It always, like... It's also a little, like, 30s, like... Yeah, he has, like, I'm an old newsy guy. Um, what did I say? I learned how to talk by watching His Girl Friday. (laughs) His delivery is so specific and, like... Goofy and catty. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much in this episode. I need to do a Murray-centric episode and really get into it. But, like, he is really good at, like, reading people for filth. Like, I want to do a, a Drag Race Maritone Moore t-shirt that is, again, very specific, that is Murray and then Betty White's character, Sue Ann, and both of them wearing glasses and it says the library is open. <laughs> <laughs> because their whole thing is just, like, reading each other. Anyway... Uh-huh. So, yeah, Murray, um, Mary, like, gets up to, like, go do something, and Murray, like, gets out a gift and, like, drops it on her desk. Yeah. And they have this, like, really cute exchange of, like, you weren't supposed to do that. Yeah. And she's like, well, here's yours, because, of course, she got it. I feel like I do it all the time, and then, like, it's really sweet when my friend gives me a gift, and then I'm like, oh, I actually didn't get you a gift. Yeah. Because <laughs> I take the <clears throat> Yeah. I'm the bad person who always forgets. We talked about this on the, the Friends episode with Katie about, like, the gift-giving protocol of, like, don't be chill about gifts. Like, mm-hmm. if you give someone a gift they didn't ask for and they weren't pre-supposed to get each other gifts... Like, 
like, don't be mad if they didn't get you one because, yeah. like, the social contract was not established. Yeah. What was established <laughs> that we're not doing Yeah, that. you did it. You broke the rule. I also didn't. So, like, we're, like, maybe I will now pay for dinner or, yeah. or you got something coming, mister, because I do like you. <sighs> but, like, everyone be chill about gifts. Yeah. Um, but they both, like, thought ahead and got each other something. No. Ted had, is handing out his gift in the background. Mm-hmm. Which is... Um, a very stiff handkerchief, right? Yeah. <laughs> I did like that. It's either an album or a very stiff handkerchief. Yeah, that was the album of him, which, you know... His greatest hits of the year. It's very Parks and Recce, isn't it? Yeah. And 30 Rock. You can see a lot of those shows in both... Yeah. Yeah, that's very... That's a very 30 Rocky joke. But it's also a very, like, the the, uh, the the different personalities. Like, I was thinking about how Ted is it. Oh, yeah. Reminds me of, like, that kind of... Ted um, is the Tracy and Jenna... Well, he's, he's also uh, the, um, oh my god, why am I blanking? He's the Tom Haverford. Yeah, 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 he's, yes, he's also that. And then, like, Lou is the uh, Jack Donaghy and the mm-hmm. Ron Swanson. Mary is, like, the Leslie. The Liz and the... The Leslie. The yeah. Liz and the Leslie, yeah. Uh, and then, wait, Murray would be... Oh, Murray is Scott Adsit's character, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, who on Parks and... Oh, well, he's not the Anne, because Rhoda is Anne. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, like, this show is, like, kind of the genesis mm-hmm. for all of that. Which I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, they are very blatant about it. Parks and Rec also has a lot of cheers in it. No wonder I love Parks and Rec so much. Well, I think, too, like, didn't Tina Fey explain, like, when shows are like, about making media, they yeah. have to be about the office, family, and politics, and not about the media itself? Yeah. She was asked, like, why the direct work and other shows had tried to do this not, like... Studio 60, and it's like, it's not about the making of the show, it's about the relationship between the characters yeah. who are making the show. It's like, you could plug those specifics of characters into any job, and it should still work, it's just the specifics are different. Yeah. And so, like, being at a TV show allows you to do a little more heightened stuff, like mm-hmm. a celebrity can drop by, and it makes more sense than, yeah. you know, uh... So, at this point, we talked about it a little bit earlier, is this is when this one-off character, who I don't think is ever in the show again, Fred, mm-hmm. comes up and drops what the a- guilt what a bozo. <laughs> what a, thank God he's not a regular character because what an asshole. Like, yeah. The way he sort of manipulates her, I've seen time and time again, again. Like, I feel like I, the one piece of advice I'm constantly, like, screaming at younger female writers that I come yeah. across is, like, stand your fucking ground. Yeah. And don't let a guy, you know, not, it's not like a sexual harassment thing. I don't want to go into that, but like pressure no, you into uh, carrying yeah. emotional baggage or doing more work or pulling his weight for you. Like you have to like have boundaries where you say, no, I clock in from nine to five or 10 to six. And like, I, if, if I'm doing this for you, you better do something extra for me. Yep. Cause what he says basically, like he's like, he already, he has Christmas day off. Mary has Christmas Eve off. Yeah. And which seems like a fair trade, but yeah. then he's like, I have kids to... He basically says, like, to be blunt, he says, your Christmas is worthless because you're not going home. You don't home. have a kid, yeah. So you... Sh- and I do have kids, so I should have both days off. Which is... Because Mary had plans. Mm-hmm. Mary was going to meet with her best friend. Again, Mary had plans before that to be with her family, mm-hmm. even though her family isn't a nuclear family, which she is the mother of. She still has a family and yeah. loved ones. She has places to be. And it's... She has uh, people. And also, like, he's going to spend Christmas Day with his kids. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Either way. So it's a shitty thing. But but when he brings up that, like, I've never had Christmas Eve with my kids... The way he puts it, too, is very manipulative. Yeah. And she knows it, but she's like... Because she, she's like, why did you have to say it that way? <laughs> and then he's like, I feel bad. Mary, I just want you to know I feel terrible about this. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like fucking good. Um, so then, oh, there was a, so did you catch this? He basically, the way he says it is, will you work Christmas Eve for me tonight? Which is so similar to, will you guide my sleigh tonight? Oh, I didn't catch I that. I don't know. I've heard that as like, it seems like, I wonder if it was like an I intentional also, like, Rudolph thing. Caught, like the, the, the creepiness of like, you have New Year's Eve off and watch the football games. And I was like. like you fucking know what you're saying there, you asshole. <laughs> she doesn't care about that. Like, who's, that's not, also not the same thing. Watching no. football games is not the same thing as going up and being with your family on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And her family is her friend because friends are family. Ugh. <laughs> so, fuck Fred. I'm glad we don't see him ever again, really. Uh, so then we go back to Mary's apartment. Mm-hmm. And we get the gift exchanging scene. Yeah. Um, 
I wanted to talk about, first of all, Rhoda's wrapping paper for her gift. Oh, I wrote down. I love the 70s wrapping paper. Oh my god. It's like purple and like lilac. It's, and like, it's all it's over. A pa- it's Paisley perfection. Yeah. And she's like, there's like a big bow. It's like a weird bow on it you can kind of see. Uh, but I do want to talk. They both open gifts. And watching Christmas uh, sitcom episodes, you notice that the way that people wrap boxes on TV shows is just not how humans wrap boxes. No, and even like when they had Phyllis earlier, she had like these perfectly like the boxes were already kind of like wrapped and you, with a ribbon and like yeah. they're wrapped and she's like, oh, I have to wrap these later. I'm like, bitch, they're already wrapped. Yeah. Like they had the concept of what wrapping is doesn't exist. Yeah. They also, like, on TV shows, and I guess it's easy because you don't want to show them. It's It's a a prop thing. It's like, you don't want to waste time, like, shredding everything open. And, like, you don't want the sound to, like, get into the mic, you know. So what they do is they wrap, they take, like, a a cardboard box, and then they wrap all the flaps. Mm -hmm. And then they will close it that way. Or they'll wrap the lid and the box separate. And it's just like, I cannot imagine being the kind of human, like, IRL, that would do that. We have, like, gift boxes in my family that we reuse, but, Mm. like, they are, like custom design yeah. so like you don't have to wrap them or just like That's, yeah they could they should start using those instead of these big like it's so weird to me uh but so they open gifts and Rhoda gets married like a is it a rotisserie or it's like an it's, oven yeah it's, it's like a combo I, thing? I guess it's the hot pot of the 1970s okay yeah <laughs> the pressure cooker because <laughs> she like takes out like the little prong and like does like a you display. can rotisserie you can it's like a yeah it's a rotisserie yeah. oven and she's also like and here's your egg and she has like an egg in there too that's also wrapped so cute uh, and then Mary gives her her gift, which is, like, a nice blouse. That matches something that she already has. I love that detail. Because otherwise, it's like, okay, it's a blouse. But yeah. it's like, oh, no, she thought about what you... And when Rhoda even says, like, oh, and you paid full price? Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> and I and I did love that, like, in it goes... Hey, you know what this will go great with? My new suit. Well, you think this is an accident? Why do you think I picked it out? Oh, kid. Mary has in her head, like, what Rhoda wears. And when she's out, she's like, oh, that would go great with that. Mm-hmm. Getting it for her. And she knows where to style, too. Which, yeah. Like, I only have one friend I can think of where I, if we go shopping, like, we'll we'll pick out different things and we'll both be like, that is not for me, but that is for you. Mm-hmm. And you look amazing in it. Yeah. It's so you. <laughs> it's, uh, and then um, Rhoda's like, oh, and I can go put this on right now while you, like, you know, roast up a turkey, which I she also bought a turkey for Christmas Eve. And I then... mean, there's a subtext, too, that this is Rhoda's first Christmas. Oh, there's, there's definitely, like, because there's a really, there's an interesting joke earlier in the Phyllis scene. With the Hanukkah. Where, where Phyllis, like, oh. I'm sure you feel the same way about Hanukkah, Rhoda. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Hanukkah, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, so sad. And that scene ends with Mary eating the saddest sandwich. Because mm-hmm. she's, she's at home on a break. Yeah. She's only there for, like, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, then we go back to Mary at work on Christmas Eve and we get Ted's newscast. And now this final Yuletide item. We have just received word from a U.S. radar base in northernmost Alaska that an unusual flying object's been sighted. A sleigh with eight tiny reindeer. <laughs> Piloting the vehicle, a man who was overheard to say, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Anyone knowing the identity of this man, please contact the nearest child. Which my news stations did. Yeah. We still, don't they have like Doppler cam for yeah, like they, Santa cam? Yeah, something? when I was a kid, they had like the Santa Doppler thing. Yeah. Um, and I would always be like, oh, I got to go to sleep now because Santa's coming. Do kids, no, this whatever. <laughs> I was probably just like, wait, can we talk about Santa not being real? Listen, this podcast is explicit on it because we curse a lot, fuck shit. So I don't think anyone listens to this with children. They could. They but, could. Um, but. Y- you know what? I don't know if Santa's real or fake. Again, like... Again, I... I told a story about my mom's day Right, yeah, Santa. who does? <laughs> and also, if you watch a lot of uh, Christmas sitcom episodes, you're going to get that, like, spoiled or complicated in weird ways over and over again. Because there are so many shows that either establish Santa is not real or Santa is not real, but then suddenly he might be real. Mm-hmm. Which is always weird. Um... And I love that, uh, oh, um, this is when Fred, like, Ma- Murray finds out that Mary is going to work that um, that night, mm-hmm. and he says, like, at Fred's family. Oh, his family isn't so great. They bought an aluminum tree this year. <laughs> I want to get into this. Oh. This is another thing. That watching all, like, dozens of 50s to 70s sitcoms made me aware of is there was a real anti-aluminum Christmas tree. It is a... Constant joke. 
yeah. in dozens of these episodes yeah. is this, oh, they have an aluminum tree. Is it a class thing, too? I have... it. That's really shitty if it's a class thing. Cause, well, oh no, well, which which direction is it class? Because they're tacky, so part of me thinks, like, is it a lower class thing? Yeah, like... Or are they expensive, so it's a high class thing? Is it a thing? lower middle class thing? Because, again, I grew up with a fake tree, and I was told, like, one of the reasons why we had it was to save money, because uh-huh. you just bring it out every year. Yeah, okay, so we know that they, that what exists is there is an anti-aluminum tree bias. Usually it's from the standpoint of it isn't how you do real Christmas, like mm-hmm. it's tacky and commercial. I don't know. I'm not um, a tree scholar. I know. I want to do some reading on that and see what the joke is. But, like, here it is. Like, again, that and also decorating your tree super close to Christmas with these two antiquated ideas that we don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the other thing I love about all these old sick episodes. I mean, I still meet people who, like, are very adamant about doing it close to or having a real tree. Yeah. Because I, again, had a... I'm a fake tree. I have al- I had allergies. I still have allergies. So I grew up with a fake tree. I didn't even know that people did real trees, really. I, yeah, again, like, I think I mentioned up top, my father passed when I was little, and so we had the tree that he taught me how to, like, put together every year for years after he passed away, so it was, like, instead of being, like, oh, we can't lift this real tree without Daddy's strength, it was, like, Daddy taught me how to do this, and I feel like he's here with me. (laughs) Yes, that's so sweet. (laughs) Uh, After that, we get, Lou, like, calls Mary into the office, and he gives her, like, there's a card on the desk, and we get probably, like, the funniest scene in the entire episode. Yeah, because it's, like, a universal bit of, like... (laughs) Like, total awkwardness. It's such a great bit... So, like, Mary gets the card. She starts reading this, like, long, elaborate Christmas poem. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can you? No. Like, stop. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. Like, it's too much. Yeah, you shouldn't do this. And he's like, no. It's like, Mr. Grant, I can't accept this. Sure you can. But a blank check. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then the awkwardness of him sitting there. You can just see in his head he's trying to figure out what is the appropriate amount to give her at this point. Now yeah. that she knows originally it was blank and, like. It's so good. It's, and she's watching. Yeah. And and she's like, I can go. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like he's, but then he's very, like, he, he hides it under the desk. And that's like, look it up. Yeah, and he, like, puts it in and gives it back to her. It's such a great, perfect little awkward moment. Because you can imagine, like, doing that with your boss. Like, oh, no, he actually gave me a blank check. And now it's, like, the super awkward. Because it's also, like, he's giving a Christmas card, which is, like, a personal touch. So it's, like... And I don't know if he gave one to anyone else. No, yeah, so. it's just navigating this awkward, like, I'm trying to be nice because I know that I'm a grumpy, grumpy, like, hard stern boss, but I'm making you work on Christmas Eve, and here's a, and it, <laughs> it backfires, and it's great. Um, but then, the, so, like, that's when she, like, ushers everyone out, and she says the line, like, No, Mr. Grant, you know, it would make it a lot easier on me if everyone would just stop feeling sorry for me and go home and have a Merry Christmas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, like, also, like, hit me real hard. Like, it's such a good... Moment of, like, Mary is such a cool character because she is both weak but strong, assertive but very passive. Like, she's as complicated. You see her being super sentimental and, like, really upset about missing Christmas. But when it comes down to it, she just, like, doesn't want anyone to feel sorry for her and just, like, get out. Like, I know what I have to do. Mm-hmm. She isn't like this, like, I'm bucking up and, yeah, I'll work Christmas Eve. I'll do it. Like, she has this real human emotion. It's so beautiful. Yeah. She wants to be a professional woman in the workplace. <laughs> Navigating her emotions into society's expectations. But also, like, you know, (laughs) succeeding where men seem to thrive. (laughs) Yeah. And there's this really great, really moment at the door when I think Lou is the last one. And he, like, looks at her. Just see, like, are you going to be okay? And, like, there's this prolonged look. And then he, like, nudges his thumb on her hand. Mm -hmm. And he, like, leaves. And it's such a little, tiny, tiny little touch that just says so much. Mm -hmm. Ugh. These, this show. <laughs> um, you're going through it. You're going through it. You're yeah. Going. You're, you're right there. You're right there in the thick of it. Then uh, then we basically get Mary's time alone. And yeah. she's like watching Christmas specials on TV. She does a little dance. Yeah. It's so nice. It's not that bad. I mean, she's alone, but like, she's making the most of it. I was thinking like what that would be like. Like if you had to work on a Christmas Eve at work, like what would you do to make it feel special? Like would you like. I'd wear like sweatpants and like <laughs> eat like crappy food and just like yeah i would just chill i've been at work when it's like no one's there before oh yeah definitely i mean i'll be there up till christmas is on a sunday this year which is good no it's on a monday christmas eve is on a sunday mm-hmm. which is great yeah I, I hate it when it's like a it's on a weekend and it's like technically you don't get any days well off. like thanksgiving is out for me where i'm yeah. just like i work from home now but like I, I love going into an empty thanksgiving black friday office and just yeah. like 
It is nice. It does actually feel kind of special. Yeah. In a weird way. Have like the lay of the land. All to yourself. And like the expectations are theoretically lowered because literally no one else is working. So yeah. like you can like just chill, get some stuff done. Mary's having a Mary's having a kind of okay time. She's dancing alone to herself to the dance of the sugar pump fairy. Yeah. Which is very like a nice little lilt and it's really good. And then it's interrupted by a voice. Yes. From the transmitter. <laughs> And we get uh, that dude, and he wants to tell a joke, because he normally tells Fred this joke, or tells Fred a joke. It's Ted, right? Or Ted, Ted is the, it's, oh, um, the trans- is it, no, it's not Fred. So I don't, Ted I don't think I, the transmitter? Well, Ted, Ted Baxter is oh, the, Oh, Ted's so. the back. oh, sorry, yeah. I don't, don't look, Charlie don't, on the transmitter. Charlie, Charlie would be on Guys, the Guys, I'm sorry about that, just, just delete me. <laughs> Charlie should delete be. this whole episode, it's Fred, it's Fred! <laughs> So he's like, I can't tell you a dirty joke because you're... Your name uh, is Mary. Yeah. Well, oh, so, so what was that joke? Um, and they try to like make some small talk, but he's going home because he himself like describes this nice super idyllic thing. Christmas. Yeah. Ugh. And it makes me like, again, it brings back all these like memories that when you remember them are very like orange and warm in your mind. Mm-hmm. Usually because you're at your grandparents' house and their houses are orange and brown because it's grandparents. <laughs> That's what they do. Um... Uh, but then we get a scary moment. Yeah. Because after rings. the phone rings. When a stranger calls. When, yeah, it becomes a when a stranger calls. Because the phone rings, she answers it, click, e, no one's there. And then she hears the elevator. She runs and calls Rhoda and is like, the murder is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't you call the cops? I can. So <laughs> tell them an elevator is coming? Yeah. You can't call until the murderer is already there. <laughs> um, and she's like, goodbye, Rhoda. I really loved your Christmas gift. You're my best friend. It's <laughs> 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 the sweetest thing. But it isn't a murderer. It's the three the three amigos. Yeah. Murray, Ted, and Lou. There to give her a Christmas. I guess it's like eleven thirty. And yeah. so they're like they're there to like sweet Mary back off to go back to Murray's they house. They probably had a couple of rounds at the local pub and now Definitely. we're like, you know what we should do actually? Yeah. <laughs> we should go be nice and be friends. And it's at this point where we wrote down in all caps, friends are family. <laughs> and this what this show, like the series finale of this show hits that home because Mary says in the like the last line of the show is like I never got married I never had kids you guys are my family and then a big group hug and it's just like that's what this show is and for so many people like we don't all have those lives that give us spouses or children or both or one or all and you piece together what you can and what matters is the people and that's what Christmas is all about and oh god I just love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me monologuing about the power of this. No, it's great. I think, yeah, I think, and again, I, circling back to the beginning to think about, like, in the early 70s, this coming on the air, and, like, the way they established this is, like, now going to be the new normal. Like, yeah. it's, the nuclear family is sort of as mythic as Santa. Yeah, there is no, like, the fact that this aired in 1970, like, that's, I can't think of anything else that would have aired like this at mm-hmm. that time, where it's... Because obviously, like, shows starring a single woman weren't many of them. Yeah. Like, that girl happened four years earlier, but, like, that girl was also paired up. She had a part, like, a boyfriend the entire time. I guess eventually a husband. Uh, and we'll actually get to more of that girl stuff in the trivia section. Oh. Um, but before that, I do want to... The episode ends with a Deck the Halls. Tis the season to be jolly. Don't we know our gay apparel? Because Ted sucks, but Ted's great. Uh, any final thoughts about the episode before we move on to some trivia? I thought it was great. I thought mm. it was witty. I thought it was full of heart. And again, like, it, you know, makes you think about how much has changed and how much hasn't. Yeah. Because there's so many scenes in season, like, the early seasons where, like, Mary's dealing with, I'm not making the same amount of money as the guy that used to be here. And it's, watching it is both empowering to be like, they did this in 1970, but also upsetting because it's like, they did this in 19. 19- 70. Yeah. And it was 37. 47? Yeah, Holy shit. 47. <gasps> I don't like that. Uh, trivia! <laughs> you don't like that? You <laughs> no. don't like that? Oh boy. Oh boy. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So for the season, uh, Mary Tomer averaged 20.3 million viewers a week. Yeah. Which is good. You only had three choices, really. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for the season, it was number 22 for the season. So oh. it wasn't an instant hit. It rose up to like top 10 for almost yeah. the rest of its run. It was number 22 for the season. The top five shows, and this is a real snapshot of what was going on at the time. Number five, Gunsmoke. Four, Ironside. Three, Here's Lucy. Two, The Flip Wilson Show. And number one, Marcus Welby, MD. That's three hour long dramas, a variety show, and Lucille Ball. So yeah. it's kind of a different era. Yeah. The next couple of years is when you're going to see, like, All in the Family, Carol Burnett Show, like, Bob Newhart Show debuts after this. Like, it right. starts, the shift begins. Was this James L. Brooks is, like, one of his first shows? Yeah. I read up, he was a, oh, God. Because if you think of, like, the eras of comedy, you now have this younger group, not quite, like, the Lampoon guys. He's but you 30. have, like, the... He wrote this at the age of 30. Yeah, you, ha- you oh. have uh, this sort of uh, a bridge between, like, the 60s kind of... <laughs> Stringer time. I just read, like, he got his start as a staff writer on, it might have been That Girl or something. I just read all this. And then he was plucked from his staff writing jobs to, like, by MTM Productions, by Mary Tyler Moore, to, like, can you create these shows? And so then he created Mary Tyler Moore with her, and then he went on to create Rhoda and Phyllis, and then The Simpsons, like, 20 years later. <laughs> so, yeah. nuts. Um, and on he made I- broadcast news, too. Oh, wow. Didn't he? Maybe. Son, I think I he, guess. Yeah, and he's a son. Yeah. Ugh. So, um. I think, or Albert. I, yeah, I'm, the Brooks is, I get confused. Yeah, I do get I'm Albert not. Brooks and James L. Brooks very confused. I'm not perfect, Mike. No, I'm not. Okay. We have computer brains. Um, on IMDb, uh, only 100 users rated this episode an 8 out of 10. Would you go higher or lower, right on the money? Not <laughs> having seen. I, I would. That's fine. Yeah. Because I would go. Maybe. 9.9. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it could have been a little funnier. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, I know the point is that it's a little yeah. more wrenching and warming, heartwarming slash. I, yeah, but yes, yeah. I say for a Christmas episode, I give this like a nine point nine perfect ten for a Christmas episode because I feel yeah. like a good Christmas sitcom episode needs to get heart, needs to make you cry a little, also be funny. Funny isn't as high a priority. That is a good point for I a was sitcom thinking, episode. Yeah, I was thinking as a sitcom episode. You can go. I would say like. Eight. Yeah, eight. Eight point five. I mean, it's no fun cooker is what I'm saying. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, the reason this is called Christmas and the Hard Luck Kid 2 is because this is a spiritual sequel to the 1966 That Girl Christmas episode written by James L. Brooks called Christmas and the Hard Luck Kid. Oh. So, four years later, as the creator of Mary Tyler Moore Show was like, I'm just going to title this episode the sequel to my That Girl episode. What happened in the That Girl episode? That Girl episode, it's a flashback episode where she flashes back to the time that she was a teacher in a boarding school. And Whoa. she was, um, there was one, there was only one kid in the entire boarding school who didn't have a family to go home to that year. And so she decided to stay back with him and they had a lonely Christmas in the boarding school. The boy is the voice of Linus. From the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Oh my god. It's like, it's like something like got clumped in my soul just imagining this. So it is, it's a, it's a great, it's on Hulu. It is a, I watched it for the first time last year and it is a great Christmas episode because it's just Marlo Thomas and this little kid alone in the boarding school throwing Christmas together and the kid is on top of that, the voice of fucking Linus. So when he talks, he just like, it's, he talks Christmas. Yeah. it's so great. I'm sorry, I'm alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good impression, but you know. Uh, 
So speaking of voices, the voice on the radio uh, was the voice actor Harry Corden, who was also the voice of Fred Flintstone. Oh. Which I could not tell until this time I I knew it and I could hear it knowing it ahead of time. But he's doing a different voice. Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) I'm hoping he doesn't naturally talk like Fred Flintstone all the time. So maybe this was his normal speaking voice. And then he, like, amps it up. Well, like, I think voice actors who are really talented do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> that is the whole point <laughs> of the profession. Um, and in a book that, in a book of lists that TV Guide published in 2007, they named this the best TV Christmas episode ever. Really? So, I would probably agree that might be a pitch I make at some point. I don't know. I need to watch more. I will say that I, I thought about this now. I think in the last, like, 10, 20 years, that British television has gotten much mm. better at the Christmas yeah, they special specifically than... do it. It's yeah. a big deal. Like, they've done it for Sherlock and Doctor Who. Yeah, the Down Office Abbey. ones. There was one year where I, I thought about pitching, like, if you could go hastily watch the Downton Abbey Christmas episodes, because there are enough where those are kind of, like, these milestone episodes for the season. Yeah, that's true. And, um... Yeah. They're all very <clears throat> yuletide Yeah. <clears throat> And I also noticed, because uh, I've been doing, I did a Thanksgiving rewatch, and I did the same thing chronological, we're like watching it, and I noticed that Thanksgiving episodes, Christmas episodes are pretty prevalent, kind of from the beginning of television. Halloween gets a lot more towards more recent, but also surprisingly, Thanksgiving is not that popular until like the 90s. Yeah. There are only, there, I don't think there are, there's like one or two in the 50s, a couple in the 60s, and then it like, like there's no Mary Tyler Moore Thanksgiving, and this is a show that you think... Definitely should have had a Thanksgiving episode. Mm. Makes me sad. I wish there would have been. Uh, so who would you say had the must-see performance in this episode? Um, I was really taken with Ed Asner's just line delivery. And yeah. Just the nuance. Like, the like not just the one scene with the gift card, but even from the beginning, he was able to play multiple poles of the personality at the same time. Like, yeah. he could be tender, he could be gruff, he could be sharp, he could be witty, he could be, you know, like, there was a lot going on there, and I had never really appreciated what, I knew who he was, yeah, but that made me really see him as a performer and, like, his element. I also, like, I'm always tempted to give it to Mary, and I want to say, like, Mary is amazing. I I think she should. This is not the best I've seen her perform, though. I, well, I think, like, it's a different, I I also agree, like, I think Ed is, Ed Asner is my must-watch, because I think that he does a lot of really subtle, good stuff. He has the funniest scene in the episode. I think that what Mary is given to play in this is not her... She's she's asked to play like against, sad, yeah, against her character type, yeah. <laughs> so no, it, and she does it great, but right. it's still like and she she doesn't have that blitheness that I associate with. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I think like I still don't want to downplay how phenomenal she's in this episode. No, she yeah. totally is. But I'm gonna go. And also, I gave Mary was my MVP, my MSP in the Dick Van Dyke show episode last week. Mm-hmm. So I can't have it back to back. I mean, that's why she kind of became a thing because she just stole the shit out of that show. Yeah. Oh, that episode's so good. Even when um, you watch it now, like, I've seen a couple episodes and I'm like, oh my god, like, she is just, like... A magnet. Like, just, like, this spotlight she, beacon. She... It's that, <laughs> but also she's she's acting, like, very much in line. Like, we were talking earlier how many, you know, contemporary performers you can see draw from her, but you also see, like, Dreyfus in her. Like, just the way yeah. she's just so on point and young and instinctual and, and, and just, like... Yeah. She's... I love her so much. It's like a timeless kind of comedic delivery. Yeah, and she can do so much. I mean, like, honestly, I, if you... Okay, so must the other must other people Sorry. see this episode? No, like, this is all tying together. It's like, must other people see this episode? I unequivocally say yes. Yeah. Specifically right now. And I definitely say, similar to last week with the Dick Van Dyke Show Christmas episode, watch both of these back-to-back, and you get this tour de force of Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Where last week is all her singing and dancing. Because mm-hmm. it's a variety show episode. And seeing how her beautiful voice, the poetry of her movement, she is a ridiculously talented dancer. And she, the, her first gig was like a dancing elf, right? Yeah, or like, I think, uh, we talked like she was, I think like the legs for hot plant refrigerators. Yeah. Like, I, I, like... <laughs> I used to watch Inside Nature Studio like religiously as a kid, and her episode was one of my favorites. Oh, I want to talk about oh. how like... She started off as a dancer, and so she had this, like, and they, I think you can read about it on Wikipedia, where she was hired as a dancer for, like, this, like, appliance company, and she was, like, their mascot. Yeah. And then she got pregnant, and they had to fire her because it was showing, and then she got hired for this other job, and it was just her legs and her breathy voice and her yeah. mouth, and it was, like, 
in a weird way, like in terms physicality is so important to a comedic actor's toolkit. Yeah. She made by being forced to be just the legs and the mouth for like a year. She, she learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because her I mean, even that little moment in this episode where she just, like, dances alone, mm -hmm. she does it in such a... It's so great. Ugh. This is a great episode. I recommend everyone literally watch it now. No, it's great. I, I really enjoyed watching it. It's imbued with the holiday spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much for coming out and talking about this, taking another, like, stroll... A stroll down Christmassy, wintry lane. I don't know. Yeah. Down to Podville. Welcome to Podville. Uh, where can other people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you about this episode or anything else? Uh, well, my Twitter's at MegsOK. Um, I have a Tumblr still, but I don't know if anyone lives there. Um, we need to bring it back. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest Megan O'Keefe for dropping by and keeping the Christmas spirit rolling with me and talking about the Mary Tyler Moore Show next week. I will be talking about the third rock from the sun episode, Jolly Old St. Dick. Jolly Old St. Dick is in Season 2 of Third Rock from the Sun. It is Episode 12 of Season 2 of Third Rock from the Sun. And you can stream that episode on Amazon. Until then, you can send your questions about sitcoms to musthaveseentv at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at musthaveseentv. If you like what you've heard, please rate and review the show in iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. You can also read the words that I write at Decider.com, including my Decider sitcom advent calendar, a new sitcom recommendation for you to watch every single day leading up to Christmas, all Christmas episodes curated by yours truly. The theme song this week was the score to the 60s How the Grinch Stole Christmas special. Uh, thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening, and I will see y'all next week on Must Have Seen TV. 